You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds, presented by Lost Highway Brewing Company. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Hello, Crack of LaCroix here. Oh. That right there, everybody, is your co-host Brian Schrader chiming in with a nice cold LaCroix. What do you what kind of what flavor you got there, buddy? Tangerine. Tangerine La Croix. This is Sports Nerds, folks. Uh, if you haven't heard us before, we hope you enjoy your experience over the next few minutes here. Brian, I'm not sure how long it's gonna take us today. I know both uh, you and I would like to partake in some soccer match viewing in a little bit. We have England and Denmark, is that correct? Uh no, aren't they playing Colombia? Oh, Colombia. Sorry, am I wrong? Oh, right. It's Colombia. That's what it is. See, we're uh, sports nerds, and clearly Columbia. we know exactly Columbia. what we're talking about. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> consider we're probably going to keep this episode relatively short. Let's jump right into uh, the ways for people to follow us. If they want more than just this wonderful video and audio podcast, folks, you can follow us. On all your favorite social medias, we are on Instagram, at sports.nerds. We're on Facebook, fb.me slash sportsnerds. And we're on Twitter, at underscore sportsnerds. You can also follow us on YouTube. We actually suggest that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And the best way to access that is to just go to our Facebook page and you go to the left-hand side and you'll see a YouTube tab and click on that. And that will take you where you need to go. Uh, follow us, engage with us. Um, I think we're fun, right, Brian? We're enjoyable people. We try. It's, I, I, I agree, but it sounds bad. That's like being like, I think I'm really fun. Yeah. You know, Usually when someone says that, they're not very Yeah, funny. nobody ever says that about me. So by, I guess, me affirming my funniness, that just means I'm not a funny person. Yeah. We're, we're funny. <sighs> we're fun. We're fun. We're fun people. We are fun people. Oh, look at that. We have somebody. We have one of my wonderful friends from St. Louis watching us live. Chris Snyder, if you can hear us, how long is it going to take me to drive to Chesterfield, Missouri? Here we go. Let's see if he can't get us an answer up on the Instagrams. 11 hours and 59 minutes plus $7 in total. He drives really fast, though. So I, I'm going to like his assessment for sure. And then uh, Wendy Mercado is also watching. Hey, Wendy. Uh, she's part of the Sports Nerds marketing team. She's a new member of our social media strategy conglomerate that's going to destroy some uh, social medias coming up. All right, let's jump right in. Have you ever heard of the, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect? No, tell me what it is. The Dunning-Kruger effect is this, is this idea that people think they're smarter than they are, right? Like they, 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 self, they self-assess their cognitive ability as, as higher than it actually is. Okay. I think that there's a driving version of that. Do you know what I mean? That is very true. I tend to really, really. Where you're like, oh, I can get there, and I can get there in nine hours. No, you can't. I definitely underestimate. You're not. You're not a better driver than Google Maps is telling you how long it's going to be there. You have two little kids. It's eleven hours and fifty nine minutes. You're not beating that. They'll be asleep. You've got a. You've got a. You've got a Dunning Kruger driving effect situation happening here. They're going to be asleep. And you know what? I have a buddy who has this syndrome too. The primary symptom that's exhibited by people who have Dunning Kruger driving effect that I've just made up is you're late to shit. Right. Oh, it only takes 45 minutes to get there. No, it's an hour and 15 minutes. You're just a half an hour late. That's basically gonna, what's going to happen. Um, 
That's exactly what's going to happen. I know. Chris says that the beer is on ice, so the beer is going to be really cold. Oh, good. Yeah, it's going to, or yeah, we're rewarmed back up. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that ice could be melted by then. Uh, keep adding, keep adding the ice. So, is your computer restarted there? You're up, you're up. In the the other one restarted, but whatever. We're we're going. Well, Doesn't even matter. Today, I wanted to talk about nationalism and sports. And we'll get to that. But, but, I know, but before we do that. Yeah, I figured you wanted to talk about you have to, You have to, right? I should eat some crow, right? I should eat a little bit of crow. I, you don't have to eat, you don't have to eat crow. I'm going to eat we some. we got to talk about that. Okay. LeBron is going to the Lakers. I can no longer defend <laughs> LeBron. I can't do it anymore. Um, I can't. I, I think I'm no longer a LeBron liker. I am a LeBron hater. And for you, this is just reaffirming your... That's your evaluation of King James, correct? I don't. I don't even. I don't even hate LeBron. I just don't get LeBron people. I I couldn't figure out a way to word the tweet right, but I was just in my mind picturing the dude who, however many years ago, when LeBron left the first time, you know, the decision and all that. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Was so mad that he burned his LeBron jersey, and then a couple of years later, LeBron comes back and he bought a new LeBron jersey, and now he has to burn his LeBron jersey again. Is he actually going to do it? I'd like, like to see what, that guy. What about what's I mean? Or just yeah? I mean, you've devastated that guy. You've taken years off his life. That poor guy. He's buying jerseys. He's burning jerseys. He's happy. He's sad. He's happy. He's, it's terrible. And it's not like Cleveland is a, des- is a destination. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. I really thought about it as like, you know, LeBron was trying to figure out what is the, the, the best way I can not lose to the Warriors in the finals. And moving to the Western Conference does that. Right. That's a There's really no chance point. he loses to the Warriors in the finals next year. So in, in that sense, it's like it's pretty strategic. There's a really I've, I, my my brain has just been log jammed with freaking LeBron jokes ever since this, this shit has happened. I've tweeted you some of them. Yeah. My favorite one is there's some tweet that's like the the, the Lakers and Magic Johnson are going to try and sign like. They're going to try and sign uh, D Wade and Chris Bosch. Like, so you're leaving Cleveland to go back to Miami where you're trying, or go back to, to go to LA where they're trying to recreate a Miami team that you left because they couldn't win in the finals. And then, and then the Warriors get Boogie Cousins. I know he got, he has an Achilles injury and he won't be back till later, but I think the Warriors are going to be better than they were last year. I'm over the NBA. Bold, bold prediction in June. I, think, I don't think the I don't think the Lakers make the Western Conference Finals. I think they they lose in you know the first round of the playoffs. I think you're probably right there. I would I would jump on board with that uh, prediction. I'm I'm over the NBA. I think I'm done. I think this is it. You're just done with the NBA. You're quitting the NBA. LeBron has broken the NBA. I loved the NBA so much until this week, and actually until the last couple of days. The, the Boogie Cousins thing might have actually been the the nail in the coffin for me. I just. Well, I mean, if Boogie Cousins is available for $5 million, why did the Lakers not get him? How much are you available I mean, I, I, I know he's coming back from an injury. And there's a question mark about how long it's going to take. And But I, I don't think there's really a question mark about what he's going to look like. Boogie Cousins is a freak. If there's a question mark about DeMarcus Cousins, it's only that he played with Anthony Davis. And weirdly, that matchup did not sort of uh, bear fruit the way that I think... Uh, at least the way I thought it would. Yeah, I'm very shocked by that. I thought that, that uh, something positive would come from that, and it certainly didn't. Apparently having Rajon Rondo on the squad didn't do anything. But. Well, and then even the stuff about Rajon, they're saying that basically he's going to compete with uh, that dude whose dad yells all the time, whose sons play weren't good enough to play in Turkey. What the hell is that guy's name? Uh, LeVar Ball. 
Oh, LeVar Ball. Yeah. Lo- no, but Lonzo is the player, right? Lonzo is the player. That Rayshon Rondo is going to compete with Lonzo with, with Lonzo for a starting job. Boy, the winner of that competition, you're still going to have a point guard who can't shoot in the Western Conference. I know. It's... I think I got I got booted from the Graham. You did. I'm, no, I'm, I'm at my back. Yeah, can you? I'm, I'm also on another request. The Graham didn't like what I was saying about LeBron. Apparently, well, by the Graham, you mean me. You're correct. I didn't like it. Oh, did you boot me for that? Yeah. You boot me for my... I can't. It's almost like... Uh, what's Heretical show? comments about LeBron. Around the horn. Around the horn. Yeah, I've been muted. Ask yourself to join back in, and I will allow it. You know, I still have a soft spot in my heart for that show because I like Max Kellerman so much. He is good. I mean, I'd rather hear him talk about boxing, but... He's a boxing aficionado. He knows everything. All right. Hey, um, we are down to our last 15 minutes before the match starts. So let's jump into our topic du jour, which is based around this one particular article that I discovered last week that we didn't get to from uh, Al Jazeera. Folks, if you hate Al Jazeera, I understand. But let me remind you that Al Jazeera is the one news outlet that broke the Peyton Manning story, basically saying that Peyton Manning has used performance-enhancing drugs. And uh, not too many weeks ago, he – what would you call that? He gave like a statement that – I didn't not not I did not not, not deny do that story. Yeah. So it's kind of odd so that that weird. story is getting no traction here in the United States. <laughs> Quadruple negative. Yes. Okay. I think what ha- I mean it made it sound like um, there was a there was a good chance that um, what was I trying to say? He was going to try to sue Al Jazeera, and then apparently one of his lawyers was like, "He settled down there." Let's not sue because we're going to lose this one. But anyhow, 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 let's talk about Al Jazeera, the the CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC of the Arab world. This article, what the Kremlin Kremlin did while Russians were watching the World Cup. And basically what it does, Brian, is it just kind of summarizes many of the political decisions that have been going on in Moscow for the last three weeks as we've been watching the World Cup with the argument that, you know, people are in celebration. Um, the news media is kind of skewing all of the negative material that's happening, the negative activities, in order to shed all of this positive light on the World Cup happening in that country. And so that's that's where our starting point is today. But I know we want to have a larger conversation about nationalism and sports. And so I'm going to let you take over there. I feel like I've been talking enough. And once you go ahead, what's your read on this? What's your read on the topic and whole as a whole? Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I mean, this this article basically makes the argument that the you know the World Cup and all the sort of fervor and uh, the influx of people and all the you know kind of partying and stuff was used as both kind of a pretext for and also a cover for passing a bunch of you know kind of stricter security regulations like cracking down on Antifa and other sort of um, you know air quotes terrorist groups, what they would label terrorist groups, but you know basically just kind of strengthening the security apparatus of, of, of Russia. But like the important argument here is that it's, that the, the, it's, it's, it's uh, intricately linked to intimately linked, I think is what I was trying to say to, to the, to the world cup, right? Both it's an excuse to make this happen. And also people probably aren't paying all that much attention. They're not going to, you know, kind of react as negatively um, because, because the, the, the world cup is there. So I think that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's very interesting. I mean, I'm, I, there's definitely an element of, of nationalism to that, but the world cup gives us, you know, a, a, a sort of foray into nationalism and in sports for, for reasons kind of above, above and beyond um, this, this Al Jazeera article. 
Um, I had a, I had a thought the other day. I don't know if this is. I think it's. I think it's quasi on topic. If you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. No, it's fine. When you watch all these all these you know World Cup fans who go out, they travel from their home countries to go and see their teams. It's probably a huge financial investment. It's a huge you know time investment. They're they're clearly very emotionally invested. And you watch these people kind of sing their national anthems, and they're really proud, right? There is this idea of nationalism like yeah i really want to go out there and support my country it's very weird to kind of contrast that with the conversations about the national anthem um you know that we've had on this podcast and that we have had culturally in the united states for you know what seems like a decade but you know basically the last year and a half or whatever um that isn't that kind of what the national anthem is supposed to be right it's supposed to be sort of like a yeah, I'm 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 proud of I'm proud of my country. I'm a, on a world stage. They're doing something cool, and I'm proud of it. And it doesn't it doesn't strike me as sort of icky or whatever. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem overtly political. It doesn't seem like it's being you know weaponized. I just I don't I don't you know I see it as different than the the way that we you know kind of talk about and think about the national anthem um, in in the United States. Which is not to say that all the sort of nationalism that surrounds sports is 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 good or that it's not used in in messed up ways but the the contrast was really striking to me i don't know did you notice that yeah no it is and i think that's the topic that i really wanted to discuss today is is why that nationalism that we've been seeing over the last three weeks in particular just doesn't match up with what we experience here in the united states and i and i wonder if is it have something to do with how we frame things as patriotic here and patriotism as opposed to nationalism i wonder uh, at least in, in my kind of evaluation of it all, patriotism seems to be this thing that is of above criticism, whereas nationalism is is not so much a connection to one's state or one's uh, government, but really to the people that make up the nation. There's more perhaps yeah. fluidity or progressiveness and all of that because obviously in watching in watching soccer over the last few weeks, I definitely get the feeling that. There's a lot of nationalism, especially uh, as you watch, you know, people go to Russia to watch these games, or you watch live shots from uh, various cities around the world. That they're connected to their country through their team, and it's not like they're above criticism if it were to come to that. And you look at the sadness on the faces when these teams lose. But here in the United States, there is something because we tie it to patriotism and love of the flag as opposed to love of one's country. If that makes sense, like all of this is just kind of these no, emotional so. connections we have to symbols and the symbols for these countries are not a flag necessarily, or it's like a, a team, right? An identity or a unification and all of that. And, and, and this here in the United States, it's just much, it's a different animal, it's a totally different animal. Yeah. I saw this meme on Facebook. I think it's like the second time I'll try not to do this on the podcast a lot to like find hilarious memes and think that they're making important political points. But this one kind of is. And it was this meme that says things that you can do at the same time. And on the left, it's got an arrow pointing to support American troops, care about American children, children and care about your country. On the right, it says care about refugees and asylum seekers, care about refugee children and care about world issues. Right. But the point that it's trying to make is that nationalism right or or patriotism i know that you're you're kind of trying to parse those two things whichever one you would you would code as more explicitly sort of a political measuring stick or a political litmus test is one that says those are exclusive right that to be a patriot means that you adhere to a, a specific political ideology and i think the point that we're trying to make is that what we see on display from other countries at least 
in maybe not every single country, but what kind of appears to be on display at the World Cup, which it's it's notable that the U.S. isn't there, right? Is a bunch of people who are saying, "Yeah, we support our country despite maybe political differences that we have," right? That you can you can both be excited for your country to to be represented at a really cool event that only happens every every couple of years, every four years, right? And you can be in support of your country, but that it it doesn't have to be a political referendum, right? And I, I don't know. It, it, it reminds me more of like what I grew up with, where it was, you know, it, how patriotic you were wasn't a, a, a dick measuring contest. It wasn't a competition and it and it didn't have to be political. Yeah, I don't. Shout out to Patrick Naswell who shared that meme. <laughs> I don't understand why it is that we're so incapable of having or, or, or positioning ourselves as fans in that way. Even even in, like, I guess, I don't even see nationalism, love of country through sports here in the United States at the same level as we have around the world. Like, I, I mean, there would be watch parties, of course, for the U.S. men's national team had they made the World Cup. But would you see it at the scale that you get with, you know, those live shots of Germany or France or even Russia when their teams are winning? I mean, it's just... I wonder, do we have too many options here? This is something we were talking about yesterday in class. Is the individualization and the consumerism of the United States this thing that makes it so much more difficult for us to have a shared unification or a unity around sports when it comes to a national team? Does that question make sense to you, I guess? Because I can rephrase it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, no, no, that makes sense. We have all different ways that we can uh, form our identities. We have all kinds of different ways that we can, um, you know, connect to and purchase team, uh, team garb, memorabilia, and really based on the kind of season um, of the, of the year. But with soccer, especially in these countries, like that is the one defining moment every four years that a nation can really get get on board with it. And we just don't care. You know, I would say even the Olympics, yeah. right. And I know that, that Andy Billings and, and Butterworth have, they've written a lot about the Olympics and nationalism and all of that. But I think the scale of Americanism and, and patriotism that we get uh, here in the United States with the Olympics just pales the comparison just to what we've seen uh, this last month in the world cup. It's not even close. I, I mean, it's not even, like, yeah. you're not seeing people painting their faces uh, and hugging strangers over um, the U.S. women's gymnastics team's gold medal performance. Yeah, it, it may be. There's something about soccer and something about the World Cup that you're right makes it totally different. Because I think the the similarities, right, the the the, the comparisons that we can draw between the World Cup and the Olympics are it's sort of international. Most, if not all, countries participate. Um, it's not really about winning and losing. It's more about, um, you know, kind of uh, the, the spirit of, of sportsmanship or sportspersonship and kind of the, the value of competition. But really, it's about us kind of coming together. It's seen as this sort of olive branch thing. Like, look, even though we have our differences economically or culturally or religiously or politically or whatever, we can all kind of get together and compete on the same on the same playing field because we're all people like that ethos that is very much the world, uh, very much the Olympics. I think you can see in, in the, in the world cup. The other thing about the world cup that you write about that's different um, 
and and maybe it's the the, U, the U.S. is outside of it, both because our soccer team isn't isn't that good and didn't make the World Cup, but also maybe there's just there's this massive cultural differences because there's some you're right there's something about it. The face painting is weird. They all wear the hats and the scarves, and it's it's got this sort of silliness to it, right? That you can be a caricature of a fan. Just everybody can kind of be the bucket man from uh, from you know Denver that we talked about last week. You can you can be really over the top, but I also get the sense that it's not. It's not hooligany at all, right? It's not about people who are going to go there. I mean, they're going to be really happy if their team wins and sad if their team loses. But I don't think there there's a lot of going out there and, and picking fights and that and that sort of stuff. It seems very much kind of like it's a it's a a win to even be there and to get an opportunity um, to participate. You're not a Harry Potter person, right? But there's <laughs> there's in the the fourth Harry Potter book, I think you basically have the 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 Quidditch World Cup. Quidditch is the game they play in Harry Potter, which is, you know, it's just supposed to be the World Cup. And that's where you get a really good look at the exact same thing that, you know, it's about people going to a place and you hang out with people who are, you're, you're meeting, it's, 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 the nationalism is not my country's better than yours and I'm going to kick your ass. It's, I'm going to represent my team seriously, but also in a lighthearted way where we can still be friends and we can hang out. You can go and you can meet other people and talk to them. And we've seen, we've seen that in the World Cup, right? Like, the Mexico team being so happy when when South Korea beat um, beat Germany to 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 lock them into the um, into the elimination into the into the round of sixteen or whatever to the I'm using debate terminology now like it's it's got this yay my country but also this not at the expense of your country right it's I know it's very bizarre to be like my country's the best but your country's cool too whereas a lot of times U.S. patriotism is we're the best and you all suck. We're definitely, uh, I guess you, I would argue that us, us patriotism is tied to exceptionalism and kind of always has at least since world war two. I mean, don't we think we can probably argue that just in the, in the discourse that has surrounded our relationship with countries in the rest of the world, there's definitely an exceptionalism, um, the sense that we're better than everybody else. And I think, that definitely feeds down into these kind of international sports uh, events. I, I I feel like we get that sense even when we watch the Olympics that American exceptionalism is kind of just <clears throat> it's it's all over uh, the conversation, the commentary that we get about these sports. When you were saying that though about all these countries, you know, hugging and joining hands, and there is definitely a positive sense of of competition and and the good things that can come from competition in the World Cup. But I just thought about how ironic that is, considering um, just how sleazy FIFA is. Yeah. I mean, you know, like uh, it, it really is. Like it's a it's a really really scuzzy organization. But yet, people, um, I, I think soccer just seems to be this one game that brings everybody together because it is a you know it's the language of the world, if you will. We're getting a little too cheesy here. <laughs> I know we are, but I mean it's true. It's it's even yesterday, right? I went to a bar with a couple of buddies and watched the Mexico Brazil game and like the, the competitive nature. What time was that? It was at 8am Denver time. 8am hitting the bar. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the competitiveness between, you know, the Mexico fans and the Brazil fans, there was still like a sense of word, you know, at a bar at eight o'clock in the morning. And there's something really, really enjoyable about that. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to hate on America, but it seems like we just get some things wrong. You know, we get some, thing, some things wrong. 
I wanted to. Uh, do you have anything to add to that? Because I've got one more question. Then, 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 yeah, and I think, but I think it's it, it trickles down. It's not just the nationalism where that happens, though. I think it happens with just you know sort of fan culture as well. We talked about this that you know the fight between the Giants fan and the and the uh, for, uh, uh, Dodgers fan. Remember that got that guy you know basically permanently disabled or injured, whatever the the right term is there. Or like I said, I'm a huge Raiders fan. I'm originally from Denver. It was oftentimes not fun to like go to mile high wearing a bunch of Raiders stuff because, you know, I can, I can take it if people are going to, you know, sort of playfully give me some crap. I can handle that. But like, there are points where I was like, Oh, are we really going to fight about this? Like we, 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 let's, we, I don't know you dude. We don't really have to like, this is just a football game, right? We don't really have to punch each other or anything. This seems, this seems pretty stupid to me. I really wish I could figure out why that is. I really wish I could figure out like the answer to these questions because it can't just be the framing of, of the coverage during the world cup that, that, highlights these positive interrelational or interpersonal relationships that you're that you're kind of pointing yeah. out there's going to be something there it'll be interesting to see when does it come to the u.s 2026 or whatever 2026 yeah. if, if it looks yeah. the same on tv as it looks this year because i'll be honest man it looks like a blast it looks like everyone's having so much fun and there have been tense moments but it just people seem really into it and happy to be there and i mean there's emotional highs and lows but and and, and look it's a select little bit of it that we get to see. I'm sure there are some bar fights, right? I'm sure there's some people who've had too many brewskis and what, you know, too much vodka or whatever and, 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 have, and have thrown some punches. But generally, it just looks like a freaking blast. And I don't know if you'll get that same thing if it's here. I don't know if, if you'll get that, if enough of that culture will kind of come to, to North America in, in eight years and, and we'll, get, we'll get the, I hope so. Do you really think that this is the, time. do we just have more outlets for escapism and entertainment? Like we just have so many options that we're kind of numb to a moment like this or to an event like this, whereas the rest of the world maybe doesn't have um, that plethora of, of options. Not to say that we're better or anything like that, but, you know, we, there's baseball going on right now. There's, uh, there are other sports going on right now. There's this, you know, LeBron's story, all of this stuff. Whereas for, for many of these countries, it sure seems like this is the biggest thing going on and the only thing that's going on. Is that wrong-headed? No, no, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, well, you don't sound. I, so I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm kind of of two minds of it. Like, I wonder if people are having the same reaction that I am watching it because I wasn't thinking about the podcast when I saw it, but it's just when I see the national anthem, it was it was actually my kid who's seven trying to explain to my other kid who's four what was going on when when they're when these other countries are doing their national anthems. Right. And she's like, no, no, it's like the same thing that we do before the swim meets where you put your hand on your heart or whatever. And he's like, oh, OK, I know how to do that. Right. And she's trying to explain here's the action that's that's taking place. And I was wondering, like, if it resonates as as the same thing. Right. Like you've you've made this point, And I think Butterworth makes this argument. Michael Butterworth, who's been on the show, who's a, a really prolific sports um, scholar, has made this argument that after uh, the the second Iraq war in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, and then the Iraq war, that the prevalence of uh, and, of of or, and the centrality and the theatricality of the national anthem at U.S. sporting events really took off. Right? If you go back twenty five years ago, people may not remember we didn't have the giant American flags, and in some places you didn't even have the national anthem at all. Right? In some of these sporting events, but now every single one, it's this really big deal. Um, it's much bigger. It's much more theatrical. It's much, much more visible. They're showing it on TV, all, all, all of that sort of stuff. But there's also a sense too, in which it's so, it's so pervasive. It happens so everywhere that, that 
how are you supposed to kind of get into it every single time, if that makes sense? And so it doesn't really match up with with what looks like this really emotional display on the part of these teams um, at the World Cup. So I and I and I think that's a part of it, right? That's I think to to get back to your question, I think the question of too many outlets for for whatever it is for machismo or 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 uh, aggressive masculinity or or nationalism or patriotism or or, or whatever it is. Like I think the, in the one sense we can sort of ignore this and and not see it for what it is, or at least what what it appears to be to me because we have those other outlets but it's 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 also weird that i think it becomes sort of ritualized not in the good sense but in the we do it sort of in a pro forma way we just we're going through the motions as opposed to kind of being emotionally invested in what it's supposed to mean the anthem i mean did that you make any, I, mean, I think if i i think if i listened back to that three minutes of words that i just said that it meant nothing no, that made a lot of sense. I know what I'm trying to say. I just don't know how to say. No, it. I think we're onto something here. I think, <laughs> I think there seems to be um, there's an there's an irony in the connection between sports and and commodification or the commodification of sports in other countries around the world and our own. In particular, I'm thinking of like Europe in these European leagues, and you and I have talked about it. They're very forthright and open about the fact that you know we're going to market these players. We're going to actually put advertising on their their jerseys, their uniforms, and all of this. In the United States, we, we try to hide or at least um, cover up some of that commodification and pretend like there's a purity to it. And, and I wonder if, if that hurts the authenticity of, of the game and the, inter, the injection of patriotism in the American game that makes it so hard for us to really believe. Whereas there, there has to be something going on emotionally, viscerally, you know, uh, uh, Effectively, with people around the world and their connection to the sport, I don't know if it's a respect for the fact that people are open about this. There's an authenticity that is kind of exuded in that, um, and so they're more open or they're more kind of emotionally connected to these teams because they don't feel like it's being forced down their throat in terms of their their nationalism. Whereas here in the United States, right, we don't. It just feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable because it's it's something we don't know how to deal with. But whereas in other countries around the world, especially those European countries that we're beginning to see now in these kind of key games, they know how to handle it. They know how to process it. It's a different kind of animal. I don't know how to necessarily parse that out, really structure it into a cohesive argument. But I think there's got to be something there when it comes to that. Yeah. It's also possible, too, that all the same stuff is happening and we just don't see it because we're, you know, sort of apart from those cultures. (laughs) You know, maybe if you're there. I know. It is sort of bubbling under the surface, and we just can't see it. So this is all based kind of on pretty superficial observations, but it it definitely looks different. It definitely looks I different. I think Occam's razor would say that you know there's a, there's an explanation for why it looks it looks different, and I think we're we're flirting with a good a good explanation. Hmm. Well, knowing that the, this match has started, uh, I think uh, we should. You know, I think our, our listeners are probably going to uh, turn to us tomorrow on the 4th of July and say, well, we are so grateful that Sam and Brian, Doctors Jay and Schrader, are here today to give us these 30 minutes. So let's leave it at 30 minutes for them. What do you say? It's good. I'm okay with, good that. with that. 30 good minutes right. better than 45 minutes of crap. 30 good minutes. Everybody, um, tomorrow, whatever day you're listening to this, if you're, if you're watching fireworks, if you're hanging out with the family, jump onto your social medias. If you get a chance, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. On the gram, we're at sports.nerds. That is probably our most active platform. Uh, Facebook, fb.me slash sportsnerds. 
and then Twitter at underscore sports nerds. Quick shout out to our sponsors, to uh, Lost Highway Brewing Company. And uh, I am wearing a Tivoli hat, so by default, I guess they're getting some free purpose. LaCroix. LaCroix. They're not giving us any money. They're not. They're unofficial. All right, buddy. Um, Congrats to LeBron. (laughs) Congrats to LeBron. I hope we do it it again in four years. We can guess some more. Yeah. Have a good one. Happy sports, man. Bye. Bye.